Welcome to the Week in Italian Startup, where we discuss the latest highlights happening in the Italian tech and investment ecosystem. WSense submarine connectivity startup raised 9 million from Swens Blue Ocean, CDP Venture Capital, SGR, and a few of other investors. Uh, so, uh, very interesting um, company. Uh, the challenge they're trying to tackle is really like uh, understanding how exactly uh, data underwater uh, moves and can, can be harnessed uh, with different technology. So, uh, what is interesting is that there was a kind of um, a new term that I've never seen. So, we know everyone knows about the Internet of Things, but um, we don't know much about the Internet of Underwater Things. So I thought there was a very interesting way to um, classify a new, a new and up and coming vertical. So basically, uh, let's talk a little bit about the tech and then a little bit about the investors. So the tech is basically uh, the company is trying to develop sensor that they go like both uh, in shallow water and deep water to actually enable uh, what they define uh, to simplify it as a subsea Wi-Fi system. Uh, this is uh, what is defined as a mesh multi-hop networking, uh, which basically uh, refers to a type of network topology where uh, nodes, devices are connected in a mesh-like structure and data can be transmitted from the source to the destination by hopping through multiple intermediate nodes. And this is, this is good because actually even if there is like nodes that fail, then still the structure remains. So it's it's um, it's um, the basic of Wi-Fi, but for underwater application, that's kind of a novelty. So it's a very, very interesting way of, uh, of doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, very curious, actually, thinking also about the application. What is your take, Nick, on this? Well, I agree with you. This is, um, this is something that you don't see every, every day because the um, the uh, ocean economy, if you if you allow me the term, is mostly underwater. I mean, we it's not something that you that you hear about in your in your everyday. But if you dig deeper, you understand and discover that that economy is huge, um, and with strong growth opportunity uh, in many fields: uh, resource exp resources exploration. Um, uh, um, fishing and other activities. So uh, there is an opportunity there that's you know still a lot based on on old tech, and W Science is positioned as an enabler uh, of a new wave of technology that we need to see. So it's an interesting play. Uh, it's a long long term play, probably a bet on the uh, on the growth of this of this area of the market. Or this economy, if you say, and uh, interesting. Yeah, I was, was taking a look at the investors, but I know that you want to. You want to. Yeah, just a few more considerations. This is a, another yeah. time where we see data play a huge role. So we talked about. Uh, we keep talking how data is going to be basically the oil of the future. Uh, and that's basically where a lot of value is going to be generated. And WSense is really uh, positioning themselves to actually exploit that. So data collect, underwater data collection. Uh, I'm sure there is like a bunch of different applications from literally environmental monitoring to seabed infrastructure monitoring to uh, they also mention the connectivity between underwater robots and mainland. So all these different plays and different technologies that are developing 
and they are basically there to provide the infrastructure for that. And um, if you check out the technology, really, it's super ambitious. It includes not only like uh, specific sensors, sensors, which basically they already developed and I think deployed, but also like some cloud applications, uh, different uh, um, nodes that can be like applied different different use cases. So it's it's pretty sophisticated network. It's a pretty sophisticated network, if you feel. So very, very interesting for sure. Um, yeah, talking about investor, uh, I was curious about uh, Zwen Blue Ocean, which uh, is kind of layered here. So my understanding is that uh, Zwen um, is uh, a part of IMA Group, which is a French insurance company. Uh, they have their own, uh, essentially, private equity arm, um, which manages around 6.7 billion. And uh, it's, it's a big group, Zwen itself, like 71 people like focus on that. The Blue Ocean arm is the one focused on ESG and impact investment. So there are multiple layers there. Uh, interesting because we have a, like a massive player insurance we can call it institutional for sure then kind of like layering down into what is like a, a little bit the future of uh, investing especially with esg focus and impact so very very cool mm -mm -mm. yeah the investors in the round are you know quite a diverse group um uh, so swan is one uh probably the leader from the from the press CDP, of course, is involved, but we have another, uh, other international players. Axon Partners Group, for example, um, we have from the list, well, Moonstone is a, uh, is a fund from Italy. Uh, this Runway SPU uh, that I've never heard before. So there are quite a few players involved. Catapult Ocean, another name that, you know, um, uh, from the, I would say, the accelerator from the uh, ocean economy, uh, from Norway. Exactly. So quite a few players across to... Europe. Mm. Exactly. We have two Norwegian investors. So uh, Runwon FPU is a, a Norwegian fund with 30 million under management. So it's an up and coming fund, it's very new. Uh, they already had deployed, so I think they have a, a portfolio of about 30 investments. Very, very interesting. And the catapult, as you mentioned, is Norwegian. So very interesting combo of uh, French, Norwegian, and Italian investor, uh, you know, coming together to actually fund this deal. Mm -mm -mm. Very cool. And I think last but not least, the cherry on top is that the company is funded by a, uh, a woman uh, entrepreneur, and that's always great to see. It's a deep tech company. Uh, uh led by a woman that's a with a very strong background in uh in search so very nice very nice combination um so i think this is very good news for for the for the markets excellent point so uh chiara petrioli uh the yeah, ceo yeah. and founder of the company and basically a phd uh, and working with la sapienza in rome and basically the company is a spin-off of uh, i mean is a spin-off project uh, so definitely like born inside the walls of academia and research so that's uh, it's really cool yeah very very interesting all right, moving to the next big round of last week. Uh, out of Spore Glasses startup raising 7.6 million in a crowdfunding round, participated among others by Azimuth and uh, Ferrari Family Office. So tell us more, Jack. 
I know. <laughs> so yeah, full disclosure, uh, with IN3 Ventures, basically we helped uh, basically a syndicate of investors to actually channel some investments to, uh, to the company. Um, yeah, the big guys are here, basically Azimuth, uh, which uh, already worked with, uh, with Autoff for a long time, is a provider of uh, a good chunk of capital course uh, Ferrari family office is definitely was like a very strategic partner that essentially of course is, 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 is clear uh, how to potentially could benefit so um, but let's go back to the product which is very very interesting so we saw the company kind of being born when uh, at the beginning the, the, the founders and basically it's a two brother and a sister so it's uh, um, Federico Roberto and Laura and uh, we remember when uh, they showed us the first like uh, photochromatic cell and literally it was a one centimeter square changing like transparency given the light condition. And that's, that's where everything started. And it was not too long ago, actually. It was maybe like four or five years ago. Uh, fast forward to now, basically they deployed this technology on the, um, uh, ski mask for sport. Uh, they are in the process of releasing uh, the same technology for uh, sports car sunglasses. So that's, that's also like another big news. Uh, and then, of course, a bunch of different applications you can imagine, which I cannot fully disclose, but, you know, from, uh, you know, the automotive industry, you can just imagine that. And uh, that's why it got very, very popular because um, a sort of product People relate it very quickly, especially people, you know, cycling or in the automotive sector in, or in the ski sports industry. And uh, so it's very relatable. It's a very relatable. The founders are, are very, very like well uh, prepared and um, commercially they're moving really, really fast in very strategic ways. So with this combination kind of give us sort of the magic alchemy to accomplish such a big fundraise, which I think by the way to date, is the biggest in uh, in Mama Crowd and uh, barely sort of uh, getting short of the of the maximum amount of money you can collect through crowdfunding. So two important, two very interesting uh, interesting elements. Congrats! Very nice. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, very hardware, hardware oriented. So less of what you guys are doing, of course, but uh, definitely, definitely relevant. And again, one last note, and then we move on because I can talk forever. It's uh, the fact of including very, very strategic investors. So not only in the sort of, uh, you know, um, sunglasses space, uh, optic space, industrial space, but also like a strategic family office, like. Uh, uh, Ferrari, for example, another great partner uh, is a selected investment that we saw already uh, before a few episodes back. Uh, we know them very well. They're really like moving fast and they, they like to invest in hardware also. And they've been providing a lot of great uh, work and great connection. So uh, I really enjoy this round because it's uh, it, it's very much what smart capital is. It's uh, There are only a few purely opportunistic investors. Everyone is pitching in beyond capital. So it's uh, it was it was very, very cool, honestly. So a great success case of uh, crowdfunding, I would say. What do you think? Uh, you mean for uh, for Altof as a, as a... 
Well, an example of a successful crowdfunding. crowdfunding it's a, it's demo, successful, I, mean. I would say, beyond the money themselves. Mm. So yes, I, I exactly. would say that. Like ex- that was the original stuff. promise, in a sense, right? And somehow that you don't. Cor- you, absolutely. You, you wouldn't absolutely. only get some money, but customers, partners, yes. so a lot of you know point. added value. That's probably, yeah, as you say, good point is like uh, where a lot of, uh, you know, um, parts of the of the spirit of the crowdfunding works. So beyond the money, which is, as you say, customer, uh, business partner and the network, really. So, so yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I don't know how other crowdfunding like uh, felt um, down the road after post crowdfunding campaign, whether it worked or not for getting new customers or not. I can see that this one is is moving and definitely will 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 support the company in this side. So yeah, I mean, uh, we're I mean, I'm personally always a bit critical about crowdfunding, uh, but yeah, it's good to see like a case where that works really really smoothly. So so yeah, there is there is definitely a good angle for that. I don't know what's your feel on crowdfunding lately, Nick. Uh, if if you have uh, an opinion on that or uh, or or uh, not really. No, well, I mean, um, when when crowdfunding maintain the, the the promise, as in this case, it's absolutely helpful. Um, crowdfunding for the sake of the of the money, it's not. I, I don't see it as as much useful in the long run, but that's my my opinion. Just because you only have small investors with little capacity to follow on, so if you think of yourself as a startup venture grade, that's not a, help, not a very helpful round uh, in, in the in the medium to long term, it's basically self-contained in terms of utility. But when the promise is maintained, uh, as in this case, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, apparently when you have a consumer product, high quality, very, very, clearly understood by the consumer, probably you have an advantage of crowdfunding because the story can be um, can be told in a, as a whole in a very clear way. Um, you can attract the, the right type of capital. So, um, I mean, I'm not fully against, uh, I have some, you know, critique in mind of, of crowdfunding, but as a, as a tool, it's helpful for entrepreneurs in particular when the right angle um, it's a very good source of funding and of additional opportunities for the for the for the enterprise so yeah i agree it, it really it, it's it's case dependent crowdfunding is effective but really depends on the case it's not a one size fit all sort of solution for for raising capital i agree 100%. yeah and then we we could open a huge uh window here and you know crowdfunding is one of those Poster child of zero interest rates economies. Uh, so when when your you know your uh, bonds and your corporate bonds start generating a four, five, six percent annual annual interest return, interest returns, is crowdfunding still attractive for you know your uh, your everyday investor? So there might be some shakeouts in terms of, in terms of quality of investors. Uh, the company platform. So you, you you might see fewer fewer people, fewer small investors looking for um, for uh, returns, mm-hmm. and more 
more investors looking for medium to long term opportunities, so better suited for uh, for uh, for the for the instrument. I don't know. It will be it will be interesting in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's uh, the perfect segue to what we were about to discuss about sort of the more macro situation and the, the interview that you said that you mentioned of Luigi Tomazzini. So let's talk about it for for a second. So yeah. we're not in a zero interest rate uh, macro economy anymore. So I think right now the 10 year US Treasury bond is at about 4.9, 5%. So basically with this kind of situation, uh, the argument is always that uh, people uh, will, well, institutional investor, um, needle mover investor will actually transition to safer harbors. Uh, so like bonds in general, because the rates uh, allow it. And that would take away money from alternative assets, such as uh, venture capital in general, private markets in general, and that can be like a problem. He was like, no, that's not the case. We shouldn't be worried about it. As long as uh, capital uh, is allocated to a technology company for innovation and for the future of the economy itself. So a very, very interesting take on that. Um, I thought it was uh, it was very, very, very interesting. So just uh, to give a background and then, of course, Nick, uh, add, feel free to add. Um, Luigi Tomazzini is one of the partner of the Fond Fond Italiano di Investimenti, uh, one of the oldest institution that basically started investing uh, institutionally in uh, the private markets from private equity to, to funds of funds to venture capital, I can I would say. So it's it's kind of uh, covering a lot of a lot of ground here, and uh, they've been doing that for long. So it's someone that definitely has seen a lot of uh, the market movements in the past uh, 10, 15 years. Yeah, I think also that um, was the first real fund of funds to set up a, a VC fund of fund vehicle in Italy, probably 10 years ago ish. Uh, it was one of the engines behind the first wave of Italian VC, uh, VC modern VC funds uh, that probably wouldn't exist without without him and without Fondo Italian Investment. It was, wow. it was a visionary position back then. Yes, um, so I think that way before CDP Venture Capital, we had to thank Tomazzini and his team for uh, for setting up this, this initial fund of fund vehicle. Uh, so somehow we owe, we owe him something. That's super interesting. Uh, they, they've been focusing on uh, private debt mostly and uh, in the interview, basically, and there are two things that emerge, I feel. Uh, one is the focus on private debt that basically a lot of operation have been done in that sort of like, uh, you know, mindset. Uh, for example, I was checking some number, uh, private debt, uh, funds of funds, vintage 2014, which I think was one of the first sort of um, um, big uh, uh, operations uh, invested in 11 funds and those 11 funds uh, basically invested in 228 companies and as of today i think the official uh, moic is 1.2 uh, so it's it's moving is uh, is definitely like uh, you know it's uh, it's not a venture moic but it's a it's a private debt uh, for sure like a, a benchmark and uh, yeah, as you say, uh, kind of financing the, the, the second wave of, of uh, tech investments in Italy, that's a, that's a powerful sort of, uh, you know, uh, staple here. So that's, uh, that's very interesting. 
Uh, one other element, the second element that they mention um, pretty heavily is their focus on the um, funds of funds related to impact. So again, the impact wave is also touching them really heavily and they're actively looking to invest in funds with uh, ESG capabilities and focus. Um, what is interesting is that in Italy we have uh, uh, and then uh, Nick, uh, you can add, of course, because you know better than I, uh, the different Article 6, uh, Article 8 and Article 9 funds. So my understanding is that the full, full ESG is what it's called Article 9 uh, funds. Uh, then Article 8 is kind of a hybrid where part of the funds allocation is allocated, while Article 6 is basically the not necessarily impact, is more the, the more generic fund, roughly. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, basically there is a international regulation SFDR that basically uh, describes the um, the behavior and what a, what a fund a professional investor should do to align itself to the various articles six, eight, and nine. And as you said, uh, Article nine is the true impact investments. So meaning that uh, you are not just measured uh, based on your IRR. But based on other metrics, impact metrics uh, related to whatever is your, your goal. If you are a green fund, probably your uh, your KPI will be can be carbon reduction or you know reforestation. So how many kilometers of forest do you need to build? I don't know so stuff like that. that can be uh, measured and it will be used to compute your calorie interest. Uh, we have a few examples in Italy of funds with this type of. Um, for example, um, our fund Primo Digital is an Article Eight. That means that we are not an impact fund, but we do monitor, measure, and try to improve some metrics related to sustainability. Uh, Article Six is basically the uh, monitoring uh, requirements. So I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't want to oversimplify, but basically, the basic idea is. As Article 6, you monitor, Article 8, you improve, and Article 9, you really have any, a real impact on, on, you invest to have an impact, uh, so the strongest form. Interesting, interesting uh, distinction for sure, that's, uh, that's really, and I believe that depending on different sort of classification, then you can access to different institutions, and of course compliance is different, so the, the implications are different, are on, on different levels, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Let's say that uh, you have additional layers of uh, operation that you have to set up to be a full Article Nine or Article Eight fund as well. So I mean, it's not just about tell me about your cash flow. Uh, exactly. Or operate. <laughs> there are other 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 things that you need to monitor to 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 to, to work with in your in your day by day operations. Right, let me uh, also put the spotlight on Primo, since we talked about Primo and we talk about uh, I Entry Ventures. So let's talk about Cabit, portfolio company, Primo portfolio company Cabit, uh, signed a distribution agreement with the exclusive network uh, for uh, data security across Europe. So let's maybe talk a little bit about that. I mean, we've talked about Cabit before. Uh, they've been growing. Uh, they've been well received by the market. So it's definitely worth... Uh, uh, reminding what uh, what's going on there, yeah. Well, well thank you, Jack, uh, for the opportunity. But, but, but basically, Cabit 
uh, I love Cabrit. It's one of the my favorite startups. Uh, not not just because of the portfolio, but because of the technology, because of what they are doing, because of the, of the of the founders. Uh, we invested when when they were basically kids out of university and developing, you know, that crazy technology that you say, nah, nah, it will not work. And, and every day, every day, every time they came back saying, hey, see, it works. <laughs> we were like, okay, <laughs> do more, show me more. Um, and I have to say that in the last year or so, uh, they built an incredible team. Uh, so they, they brought on board a uh, very seasoned managers from, from the international market. Uh, they position themselves uh, as an enterprise product and the market is, is responding in a sense. Right? You know, as this, this, this latest case of, of press release shows. Um, they, they were born as a consumer product. I mean, a Dropbox, uh, an anti-Dropbox tool. They're growing as a definitive S3 storage solution uh, to have full control of your data, fully decentralized with a fraction of the cost that, you know, security first in, uh, in mind and the market is responding. So um, it's a very interesting um, uh, history if you look if you look back and the opportunity going forward because it's exactly the right time uh, on the market for you know, this type of, of offering. So, um, really proud of what they did so far and you know, really looking forward to, to, to where they can go. And uh, what is the uh, like uh, a good use case for uh, decentralized data? Because some companies, like maybe on the smaller scale, they're happy with, you know, uh, Dropbox, they're happy with Google Drive or whatever. So what is, uh, what, what's in your experience the, stronger you, the strongest use case for, for this kind of... Yeah, okay. Um... So basically, um, an infrastructure such as the, the, one, uh, the one offered by Cubit uh, enables um, a, a vendor and then a, a user to have full control over the infrastructure. Um, if, if you use Dropbox, Dropbox has, is in charge of everything. I mean, the data center, the replication, the availability of the service, and you really are you know, putting your eggs in the Dropbox baskets. Hmm? Uh, and you're not fully in control of, of, uh, of your data. So Cubit has a uh, more fundamental approach in terms of security in the purest sense of the term, security and privacy. So you are in control of where your data is, how it's managed, the safety of the data, and the, the layer that they offer is um, this pure distribution, whereas you, you can put the data and you split the data wherever you want. Uh, across the data centers you want in a fully transparent way. Um, so basically it enables vendors to offer a very strong S3 storage solution for now and more offering going forward. Uh, and the user of the technology, um, you know, feel disentangled by all the, um, all, 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 you know, having all the eggs in the, in the Dropbox basket, let's say, let's say so. Uh, so it's a um, it's a double play on the vendor side and on the on the end user side, and vendors are happy because they can offer a very strong, uh, very strong solution, uh, competitive solution uh, to to whatever Apple's Google Drive or others are, are offering. So this is the basic case that comes to comes to mind. 
uh, I would say there are more, uh, but this, this, awesome. is a, this is a good starting point to give you an idea. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's uh, finish with talking about next AI, conversational AI startup raising undisclosed seed round from Digital Magic and Smart for Tech SPA uh, to essentially uh, develop a com a generative AI, which is conversational, and to actually push uh, their own like uh, spooky platform, which essentially is uh, a platform that uh, integrates with the uh, WhatsApp API in order to uh, connect uh, the tool with um, um, anything you need when it comes to conversation with customer sales, marketing, and to actually leverage WhatsApp like, uh, like it's never been leveraged before, actually through generative AI. Uh, very interesting use case and very direct in terms of marketing. Uh, what is really cool is to maybe think about, you know, is WhatsApp the next uh, email? Uh, so we, we both remember how people started and are still doing like, you know, personalized email campaigns, drip marketing and whatnot. Now I think this thing is kind of slowed down. Uh, WhatsApp is a way more direct way to interact with customer and customizing that. Uh, that can be like the key to actually for the next generation wave of marketers. That's a good, very good question. Uh, I, I would expand it on, on asking WhatsApp is the future of, you know, is WhatsApp the future of many things? Uh, of email, maybe. I mean, the latest developments are expanding the, um, uh, let's say, the perimeter of things that WhatsApp allows you to do. Uh, we have communities now, I think. Uh, I expect them to release more more ways to, well, to getting close to Slack, at least, uh, in terms of uh, things that you can do on WhatsApp. Uh, then remember that we have WhatsApp Business, uh, that's an API-based solution that that's really taking the market by storm, and Spocky is a solution building on top of that. Uh, so the answer to your question is, I don't know, but it can be, or, it, or let me rephrase it, they might want it to be. It will be, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The offering is quite, quite wide, uh, quite broad right now. So yeah, I, sure I'm they, feeling... are, they are in every smartphone. <laughs> I have this That's feeling nice like sort of, uh, you know, the, the stories, uh, the Snapchat stories effect, like, uh, you know, Snapchat started doing stories and then everyone is doing stories and quick content and all the platform align. Um, messaging, like specific messaging, including emails, provider are kind of converging also to one way to quickly sort of, um, you know, uh, aligning on this kind of interaction. So even I mean, think about uh, some emailing, emailing platform having like a very, very, you know, easy interface for, for mobile that can kind of mimic a little bit the messaging. Uh, some others actually are already including like AI in their uh, response capabilities. So uh, there is some, maybe some beginning of convergence there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I wonder whether the whether you will be able to, to, to have this convergence maintaining the this the UI we are all used to to, to use 
that that's pretty simple straight direct right yeah so um, I, i'm wondering so it's it's probably yeah. something that will happen but i think that that big plays in the ui so if you change the ui too much you will lose people because i mean i was i'm used to send a, an emoji on whatsapp if i have you to go. become you know if the interface becomes more complex just imagine interface that becomes more slack like it's a different interface it's not the same one so i, uh, I think ui will play a key role uh, in, uh, in in this you know expansion awesome. growth of the product i don't know nick Thank you so much for joining today and, thank, and thanks all the listeners for joining. We hope we had a very insightful uh, conversation. I hope you enjoyed and uh, uh, I'll see you next week then.